Welcome back to the Whiteboard Weekly Podcast. Something very special for you today. We've got Carl, we've got Ackerman, but we also have our first ever guest in studio, virtually, Dr. Sean Pastuch. Carl, what do you think about that? Uh, I'm extremely excited. It's really cool to see the evolution of Whiteboard Weekly, um, starting off just with us kind of diving into coaching cues, taking, uh, taking that deep dive to kind of identify what makes them work and, and why people like them and why people identify with them. And, and as we were just talking about, I think a large demographic, obviously, of our listeners are coaches, but I feel like there's no question uh, there's going to be an interest in also having guests on that are in our community, that are in our, our world. And so I'm extremely excited to have Dr. Sean Pastuch on today. Um, active life, man. When we talk about the gold standard when it comes to uh, working with athletes and basically taking them from where they may be coming off an injury or just kind of taking them to the next level. Um, and, and it's not just athletes, really. It's just people who want to be more active. Uh, we'll get more into that here in a second. But, man, I, I learned so much when I was in the, the uh, immersion course. Uh, so thankful to have that experience and so thankful, Dr. Sean, to have you on today. So I'm going to kick it to Jason. I'm going to have him introduce you. Well, I think this man needs no introduction. You know, he, <laughs> if you follow Active Life, you've seen his quotes, you've seen pictures of him always pushing the boundaries as far as helping coaches develop, helping coaches, you know, hashtag turn pro and just dropping straight knowledge bombs on Instagram and everywhere else, his own podcast. So Sean and I go back quite a ways, but Sean, as always, it's great to see you. Thanks, guys. That was, a, that was quite the introduction. We can keep on talking about you if you want us to. You don't, you don't need to. I appreciate it. I think what would be cool today is if we were able to um, give coaches and even gym owners, you know, the, the, the confidence and the roadmap to going from being the coach or the gym owner that they are now to actualizing whatever kind of entrepreneurial spirit they have and feel like they're always working towards doing things within their unique ability. I think that'd be really cool. And I would love to help people do that. Yeah, fantastic. I know I, just in my own sense um, of being a coach and my own career path and how it's led me to where I am today. Um, I feel like a lot of, there's a, the, the traits that I have are found in a lot of other people. Um, they've got something special that they wanna share with others. Everyone's got their own gift. Every single person does. Um, it's just a matter of having a platform and having the determination and drive and um, just dedication to stick with it. And I, that's, I think, one reason why I relate so well to active life. There's so many little posts that you guys do that are, that just hit me. They're like just little knowledge bombs. And I think a lot of it goes back. <laughs> I see a lot of your personality, both you and Larry. Uh, I see a lot of your guys' personality coming through in just the blunt truth. And I think our, our community needs to hear that. What do you think? Uh, I'd like to think that our community is ready to hear that. And, and if I didn't think that they needed to hear it, we would post something different, you know, and, and, and to speak to the bluntness of it, Jay can probably tell you that is a filtered version of me coming through everything on social media, even my own account. And I don't manage either of the accounts for the business anymore because frankly, um, I am much less relatable than other people on our team who understand everything that I do and can better communicate it to other people into the space. And I want to also speak to why I'm always interested in speaking with you. And it's because I listened to a podcast one time and the person on it was a marketing guru. His thing was, if you had to define the problem that you solve in a single word, what is it? What is the problem that you solve? And I thought about that in the moment. I had no idea. I'm like, I can't put that into one word. And I spent a while, maybe a few days, really, really, really thinking about it, where every other conversation was one of those where, you know, you're like, one word, I don't, I don't know. And someone else is talking to you about something. You're like, yeah, I mean, you're here. And I know you're in the room and I hear words coming out of your mouth, but I'm thinking about the one word that 
is the problem that I solve. And the problem I finally landed on for us at Active Life was confusion. We solve the problem of confusion. There's a lot of really smart people out there who are putting out really good information. And it's just, I've never found anybody who codified it in a way that allowed people to learn it the way that CrossFit codified what is very complex and put it into something very simple to understand. You, Carl, do that in a world-class way to the point that I see some of the stuff that you're putting out about content that you've learned in our courses. And I'm just like, damn, how the hell did he do that? I, I couldn't do that. And I came up with that content. Uh, well, Hey, first off, thank you. That, that means a lot to me. Um, to me, I think it's all in perspective, right? Like I think everyone's got their own, own perspective of how they see the world, their own glasses that they see things and uh, their own perspective that they spin on things. And to me, visualizing uh, words, visualizing uh, progress or movement or emotion or even just concepts. I like, that's just, that's me. I soak it up. I love it. And I love, and I feel like it's very relatable to coaches because we are always looking for a simple way to um, communicate. And, and I, I think I've, I mentioned this a long time ago, but uh, when it comes down to it, drawing pictures of a whiteboard stick people is about as basic as you can get. It's, it's something that we see on cave dwellings from prehistoric times. Like that's like, that's how people kind of started communicating. If I can, if I can take a complex movement, like a clean and jerk or a snatch or whatever, and I can make a movement sequence out, out of that and you don't see any kind of race or gender or muscle or whatever, you just see joint angles uh, that helps. Um, and it kind of, that starts to bleed over into perspectives or concepts and the things that are very big um, hot topics for coaches. Uh, to talk about. So, Hey man, that, that means a lot to me. I really, I, I appreciate that. I'll tell you one thing that really hits home to me, especially as I am growing whiteboard daily is, and Jason's been a massive uh, part of that is the, um, if you want to be world-class, you need to prepare to be unrelatable. And I think if you ask, or if you mentioned that to me, maybe about five years ago, I wouldn't necessarily understand what you mean by that. But the more I want to take something to the next level, the more I understand you, it's like, if, if you do what you always done, you're always going to get what you always do or always have gotten. And you look at like the, the easiest example is like, okay, Michael Jordan. And I'm sure many people watch the whole, the bulls, the last dance documentary. And he was in all aspects of the sport, uh, world-class and hold on. Got a FedEx truck driving out by side. He was, he was, a, he was a world-class athlete, no question about it. But then if you look at his work ethic, he was completely unrelatable in the sense that he truly did work harder than anybody else on the team. And that's just a, a small example. And I see that in my own life where I'm like, man, if I want to do something big, I got to do something more than other people. How did you come across that concept or, or where did that come from? I had a, first of all, I'd like to just say one thing to it and then I'm happy to answer that question straight up, right? This won't be like a presidential debate where I dodge the question and say something totally different. Um, when people hear that quote, I want to make sure that they understand what, what I mean by it. When you're thinking about being unrelatable, it doesn't mean that you can't make friends. It doesn't mean that people can't relate to you or what you're putting out. What it means is that people can't relate to the way in which you do it. So for example, Carl, you're not the first person who drew stick figures. You're the first person who drew stick figures that were meaningful for years consistently. That's unrelatable to people. And, and I want to make sure that I'm clear about that. The way that I stumbled upon writing that down was I hired a coach when I was making about 28 to $30,000 a year, working 17 hours a day, Monday through Friday, you know, getting to the gym at 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m., getting home to see my wife at like 10. And when she would fall asleep, I would get on the computer and get to work and think about what else I could do and rinse and repeat. And then on Saturdays, I would see patients until about 11 a.m. 
stay at the gym, work out a little bit, think about what could be better until about two or three, and then go home and get to work about what could be better or go to local shops and people don't see it as work. But to me, buying a cup of coffee at four different places in town, just so everybody at every coffee shop knows who you are is work. And people didn't relate to that. I hired a coach and I hired him because I would spend those hours during the week busting my ass, being busy, but not productive, not feeling like the man of the house. You know, my wife was a teacher. She was making like $55,000 a year at the time. And we live in New York, living off of 85,000 combined in a town where a one bedroom, 600 square foot apartment costs $300,000. Isn't going to cut it, especially when you want to have kids and you have 6% state income tax. Um, so I hired a coach when everybody thought I was crazy for hiring the coach because I was making less than 30 grand a year and he cost a thousand dollars a month. And the cost got me that coach for a two hour conversation once a month. And it was, I was to the point that I had no choice. Like I was just tired of living the kind of life I was living and I, I needed to do the things that nobody had advised me to do because everything everyone had advised me to do was either falling on deaf ears in the case of my parents, who frankly, had I listened to them earlier, I would have been much better off. Um, and everybody else was helping me try to play it safe. That's not where it's, that's not where the game is played. And so I recognized like, okay, I did something that people don't relate to. That's cool. Then one of the lessons that the coach taught me early on was if you want things to go your way, you have to stop treating people the way you want to be treated. And you have to start treating people the way that they want to be treated. And the difference there is it's the golden rule goes out the window, right? Like I treated everyone how I wanted to be treated and I wasn't getting the results that I wanted from that because People didn't see it as an empathetic thing to do. And then I realized I need to treat myself in a certain way and treat everybody else in their own unique ways. And most people won't be willing to do that. Most people aren't willing to be the one who always works harder in conversations, who always is willing to um, give up what they really want right now for what they really want. And I just realized I, I want to be world-class at this and I'm, I'm okay with people not being able to relate to what I'm doing. And I just right. put it on paper. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Um, how I got, I feel like there's a, a million different ways that we could go from here. I, I kind of want to know, <clears throat> let's, let's take it back to active life to, to the beginning. I know that you there's with your own personal career path, there's many things that you did prior to active life. Uh, your own chiropractic practice. Oh, um, dude, I, I found every way to fail. Yeah. Anyway, um, I still find them, by the way. I still find ways to screw things up. Oh, of course. Well, it, it's when, it, the same thing too. It's like there is no fail. There's either a, you either win or you learn, right? And the more yeah. that you do, do, do you, I mean, <laughs> there's some know, failure. <laughs> yeah. You, I, yeah. There, it's perspective, right? Um, yes. Take me back to 2011, 2010. I want to hear about how active life kind of came into existence really before it, before you even uh, existed. Tell me where, what led you to that point? You ever read the book, the alchemist? No, I've heard of it. I've never Very read it before. One of my favorites. Okay. I'm writing so, it down right now. So Paul, Paul Paolo Calho. Sure. The, the premise of the book is effectively to enjoy and, um, process and be in the moment as the moments are happening so that you don't miss the things right in front of your face as they go down and to learn the lessons along the way and to appreciate what you have and to strive for what you want while appreciating what you have. That's, at least that's what I took from it. I was living in the complete opposite way. I was living in um, the one day, one day, one day, one day, one day. And so when you live in the one day world, it's easy to do things that have negative outcomes and chalk it up to, well, today's not the day. It'll be one day. And 
when I started to realize that I'm allowed to enjoy my life today and strive for a better life tomorrow at the same time, it became clear that what I was doing was going to be ineffective. So I made the moves that I thought were effective at the time because I didn't have any, I didn't know any better. And I got out of treating patients in my father and my uncle's clinic where I could have made a very nice living. And I set out to open my own CrossFit gym with a good friend of mine who was a partner in the gym. And I would open up a clinic adjacent to the gym that he would not be a partner in. And we made stupid agreements because we didn't know any better. And, and I, I hear so many gym owners and coaches who, who fall in the same trap. And it's how many classes are you going to coach? How many classes am I going to coach? That's how we'll split the pay. And it's what are you going to do? And what am I going to do? We'll split the pay based on tasks. And when you do things like that, it makes it so that nobody can focus fully on what they're uniquely really great at. And so ultimately, the gym was doing fine despite us. We had like 140, 150 members in our first year in a town where no one knew what CrossFit was. And then Hurricane Sandy came and knocked us out of the space. Hmm. We also had been in a lawsuit with our next door neighbor for making too much noise beginning in May of the same year and ending five days before Hurricane Sandy. She won the lawsuit, but the bill for $120,000 to the lawyer didn't care that we no longer had a gym. Wow. So for me, that experience was transformative because it immediately set off to me never again, never again. I don't know what the steps are that I need to take, but I do know that never again. I knew I wanted to have a digital footprint, something that when the storm came and the storm left, it wasn't going to ruin my home, my brick and mortar businesses all at the same time. Cause I wasn't planning to move. I live in a, you know, barrier Island. So I started an event company. It's not a CrossFit event company, but it's a CrossFit event company. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. CrossFit didn't sanction it. They don't put their name on it, but we did CrossFit. And we had like 1,200 people coming to events in huge locations. Manhattan at the 69th Regiment Armory, uh, the National Mall in Washington, D.C., right in front of the Capitol building, on the mall, and right here on the beach in Long Beach, New York. And I was like, this is the thing. I don't have to worry about being in any one place. I'll grow this thing. This will be great. Anybody who's ever run an event knows it's easy to make six or $7,000 on a small event inside of your gym one time a year. When you go to try to do a big event, much harder. So our last year, we lost $26,000 running the event. And that was rock bottom for me because I was in that moment in my life, I was making less than, you know, like I said, less than the $30,000 a year, working all those hours. I had a doctorate. I thought I was awesome. And I'm married to this amazing woman who had saved $15,000 towards us one day buying a house. And I owed $13,000 to pay off our loss. And that was the first time that I ever like went up to my wife, cried and told her the truth. I don't feel like I'm pulling my weight. I don't feel like a man. I don't feel like I'm valuable. I don't feel like, you know, there's, I don't understand why you stay with me. Like I don't, you know, I told her all those things and her support, her ability to say to me, like, look, when we got married, you told me you were my penny stock and that one day you would grow. I was in for that and I'm still in for that. And I support you. That was huge. And in that moment, I decided I could no longer continue to play boys games and be a man at the same time. So I parted ways with my 50% of that event company, which is still a great event. I just have nothing to do with it. And I hope they do great. I took myself off the schedule in the gym for a lot of the classes that I was coaching. And I put other people on who I couldn't afford at the time, but had to hire anyway, so that I could focus on what I needed to focus on. And I went from being Thrive Long Beach Chiropractic and CrossFit King of Island Park to active life, chiropractic and soft tissue and active life athletics, CrossFit Island Park. And my thought was, I'm going to build brand 
active life and everything that we do will just fall under it. It'll be like the active life logo. And then something underneath it that says like athletics, education, coaching, whatever. That was the best I knew how to do. And it wasn't good enough. So what happens is the next step is we start making a little bit more money because I'm not focused on 17 things. I'm only focused on three. And the practice starts to pick up a little bit. I bring in a partner in the practice who I never had before. And the mistake I made once again was I failed to share with that partner my vision for what I thought we could be, which is what we're doing right now. I never shared that with them. I just said, come out, be my partner. Let's, let's be the best chiropractic clinic in the world and crush as a CrossFit gym too. And we did that. We had patients flying in. Right? I mean, even the ugly guy on screen with the two of us right now came out for an appointment. It is and, one of the best uh, appointments I've ever had. Thank you. And like I told my partner at the time, I just feel like I'm driving a Ferrari at the bottom of a lake. Like this is not what I meant to do. And so we parted ways. And I went all in with what we had built online with Active Life. And he got to keep the gym and he got to keep the clinic. And it's been happy sailing ever since, I think, for both of us. But what people miss in all of that is anybody who's ever run a business, and I'll throw this back to you in a second, and we can talk about the nitty-gritty details if you'd like. Everyone who I know who's ever run a business, like I don't need to ask Jay, hey, tell me about where you failed for me to understand that Jay knows he's failed. Jay's had moments in his career that things have been really shitty. And that he's had to figure out how to claw out of them. He's had to figure out how to end relationships and mend relationships. And I don't need to ask him if that's true. I know that's true. We've never even talked about it. And people who've built businesses over a period of time know that feeling. I imagine it's in part what you're going through is you tried to turn Whiteboard Daily into a really cool Instagram account that should be worth a ton of money into an Instagram account that's worth a ton of money because it's providing huge value to the world. You go through the scraps and entrepreneurs who've gotten past getting paid for their time can see that in other people. My, the thing that really resonated with me is throughout your journey is that one, it sounds like, it seems like it's a turning point, that conversation that you had with your wife, um, because that's, that had to burn, um, being in that position, owing that money, knowing how hard you guys worked to save what you had. And it's just kind of like, um, I can imagine that that was a point in your life that you kind of, like things changed from there and the, tra tra the trajectory changed um, and you kind of started to understand exactly what you needed to do to, to get done what you wanted. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, so it's, I'm sure it's very humbling. It's great to hear that story. Um, there are so many things that you're, you're talking about that relate to me and I know Jason and also how we're trying to work together to build whiteboard daily um, to grow into like this coaching education platform more than just pictures. Um, but going beyond that to provide value, um, and education for coaches. So, um, man, it's, it's been a wild ride so far. I think I could write a book and I'm sure you I'm could sure. too. I did. I just haven't produced it yet. He's been, saying <laughs> that. He's been saying that for years. I'll send it to you. Um, I'll tell you something that I haven't told anybody else on this podcast. No, no breaking, one's except my wife. Breaking news. Well, well, the thing is this, when we have bad days, when we had bad days, when we had bad weeks, when we had bad months, which we still do, by the way, active life still has bad months. I never really wavered from my confidence and my calm because I'm not so worried about what we're doing today. I know what we're going to do. I know that we're on the path to do it. And I'm steadfast in that. I don't have a backup plan. I don't have an exit strategy. None of that. When you start putting things on paper like goals and timelines and KPIs, key performance indicators, it forces you to live both in the future and in the now. And about three and a half months ago, I flipped our company upside down 
And we went from being a squiggly line as a corporate structure, meaning everyone does everything, to giving people real roles. You're the VP of marketing. You're the VP of sales. You're the VP of coaching. You're the VP of R&D. You're the VP of operations. I'm the CEO. You guys all talk to operations. Operations talks to me. And then you're a coach. This is the coach's job. You're a media producer. This is the media producer's job. You are a, an educator. This is the educator's job and salary. And when I took myself out of a lot of the roles that I was doing, namely sales, our new business dropped by about 80%. Eight, zero. Our cost to run the business went up by about 65%. Okay. For those of you at home doing the math, those numbers are going in the wrong direction. And it left us with much less profit and much less security. Now add to this that I've had a great partner in this business who I'm in the process of buying down so that he can minimize the workload responsible. I can hire elsewhere to, to take on his workload and that costs money too. And about four or five nights ago, I woke up at like three in the morning, didn't know why, couldn't catch my breath. I had tightness in my chest and I couldn't fall back to sleep. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Now I know because I have some semblance of a medical background, I know the signs of you know, heart issues. I know the signs of, you know, you're having a heart attack and it wasn't that. It was a mini, what I would imagine, subconscious panic attack at three in the morning that came from a dream that I don't even remember. And I'm telling you that because this stuff still happens and it requires constant, constant maintenance. And by maintenance, I mean improvement to my mindset, to our team's ability, to focus, to confidence, to all of it. No matter how big the company gets, no matter how much influence we ever gain. And so for people who are out there right now listening, who are like, I own a gym where I'm starting a company like Whiteboard Daily, you're going to have, you might have those kinds of experiences and you shouldn't think that you're alone in them. But what you need to do is observe them, sit with them and actually take action that makes them important, but not consistent. What is the, talking about the, just so people kind of understand, um, I guess the nuts and bolts about active life. Like, can you take me to, the just like a, an overview of the growth of how you guys started with I assume just yourself um, in yeah a, a so, small group to to how how big you are or where you guys are today how, how many seminars are you guys doing what are some numbers that go along with active life so when we started it was because we had patients who were coming in who were flying in from Finland flying in from Australia flying in from Nevada and. I'll never forget the guy who flew from Finland, Johan. He called himself the refrigerator because he was so immobile. Um, it was like we needed to give them something to go home with. It wasn't because we wanted to start an online programming company. And when we would give, and I had a partner, his name was Jeremy. And Jeremy deserves a lot of credit for our content and for helping me build out the information that we provide to people today. I still refer patients to his clinic right here in the town where we both live. It was a side thing. We were doing it on Google Sheets. And then one day, Casey Jenks posted something in the CrossFit Affiliate Owners Group. Hey, I'm starting this thing. Who wants to be a beta tester? I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking in for that. It's taking me way too long to do this. So I was like the second or third person on Fitbot, which is now a true coach. And... Um, that sped everything up. And I was like, we can do much more. We can take many more clients. Let's, instead of being the typical chiropractic office where we tell people your maintenance visit once a month, 
let's offer them that and also provide them an opportunity to work with us online. So for $70 a month, you could have doctors who people were flying across the ocean to see writing every single workout that you do. People loved it. And it was just me and Jeremy and 70 bucks a month. You pick up 50 clients. It's like, yeah, look, an extra 3,500 bucks. That's, that's not bad. Right. But we didn't know anything. Then you start to, okay, let's see if we can turn this into a template. So I reached out to my other guy, my partner, Kalen, who I just described I'm buying down right now. I was like, Hey, how do we sell this as a program to the masses? So he built what's called bulletproof shoulders for us. And we had at the same day, like when I say he built it, he distributed it, marketed it, sold it. We had Cole Sager, Amy Mandelbaum, Jared Stevens. I'm leaving somebody out. Me. Were you one of the first who made that post? Uh, no, but I did Bulletproof. I did some of your Bulletproof yeah. programs. So they, yeah. they made a post for us that said, I'm on Bulletproof. I literally gave them everything to write in the post. Like, I'm on Bulletproof shoulders. You should be too. So people went and bought it. And I'm like, this is amazing. We made like $4,000. My partner was like, yeah, it cost us $10,000 to get him. I'm like, shit. And we just stuck with it. And we kept doing it every day until it became this thing where I was like, we can't grow this anymore because we're trying to grow this, this, and this at the same time. This being active life, this being the clinic, this being the gym. And we didn't have clearly defined roles. Nobody had a job to do. So it got to the point that I was more focused in the online stuff and I was slacking in the office and in the gym. And Jeremy was focusing more on the gym and was doing more of the measurable work for the online stuff. You know, like writing the program, putting out the videos. And so because we never talked about what our roles were, there was a level of resentment, right? Where he was like, you're not doing anything. And to his credit, I couldn't explain to him what I was doing. I just knew what I was doing was working. I, I couldn't write down what I was doing. I was thinking, I was taking walks and thinking about where we were going to go. So we decided to split amicably. And at the time... Uh, that December, I remember, I believe we had done $36,000 in revenue in active life sales, which was, which was good. I thought we were making good money. There was a cost to that, but we were finally making good money. I was finally taking a paycheck for $10,000 a month. And I was like, yes. And then I told my wife who supported me all the way to that. And my father and my mother who supported me through college and then encouraged me to go to chiropractic school and earn my license to be a valuable clinician. That I was going to leave everything in my life that was stable for the pursuit of this thing that I thought we could one day make something. And everybody was like, you're crazy. Make sure you stay in the clinic a little bit so that you know, you're still in, except for my wife who was like, whatever, I believe in you. And so I took the leap. And that January, um, I put in, if I had to estimate, I probably put in about 100 hours a week chasing people around the globe. So I would go on Instagram because the most new clients we'd ever signed up in a month was like six for one-on-one. -on -one. And it was like 70 bucks. I'm like, if we're going to make this thing a thing, it's got to cost 200 bucks. Just go to that price right now. So I upped the price to 200 bucks. And I'm like, I'm going to try to sign up 30 people this month. One a day. 31. And I would literally be on Instagram DMing strangers based on the time zone that they lived in. So what I mean by that is when people in California went to bed, stopped looking at their Instagram at nine o'clock at night, I would start messaging people who were in the Hawaiian time zone. And when they went to bed, I would start messaging people who lived in Japan. And I would keep on working my way west until I got into Europe. And then I would, you know, that was it. Every day, all day, I probably sent 500 messages a day, at least, and was in conversation with people. And in January- So real, real quick, how did you determine who you were going to message? You can search geotags. But- beyond geotags, like just finding people that might need some kind of, like how would you determine that they would be fall into the demographic of being a customer for you? Hashtags. 
So are they talking about shoulder pain? Are they talking about back pain? Are they tagging that? Right. And then, and then I was not savvy. It was like back pain, hashtag Asia, right? Like look for them. You are, this is very much Gary V right now, especially like when I kind of first started off with whiteboard daily, it was just like understanding how small the world really is when it comes to social media and you can reach out to anybody anywhere in the world and nothing is stopping you. And I think there was a point when you could only message so many and you, you probably experienced this, but you could only message so many people before Instagram would say like, no, that's enough. You need to take a break. Uh, There's like some kind of restriction. And then you go to Facebook. And then you go to Facebook, right? And then you and then you go to email, right? And I, and I did that all the time. Yeah, and so, well, very similar to what I I used to. I was like looking for good, um, good content. I wanted to when I started Whiteboard Daily. I was like, man, I want to find some good quotes out there um, from some really respectable athletes. And I was like, I so I started messaging big timers and asking, hey, listen, do you have a coaching cue that you think is really cool? And I could draw it up give you credit and, you know, drive traffic your way. Here I was, I, I'm, I mean, I had like a thousand followers at the time <clears throat> and, you know, 0.1% got back to me, uh, just a few, but you know what? It's better than nothing. Right. And, and over time you start to gain traction and it kind of snowballs. And, but the idea still is that the world is so small and that's why I really <laughs> relate to you, like just messaging people and how big of a deal that is because it's, it's there for you. It's a low hanging fruit. And all you got to do is just put in the time and effort to do it. And you don't, you don't know if it's going to pay off, but at least you're trying and at least you're moving the ball forward. Right. Well, I mean, think about it. I would do that all day and hope to make one sale. One. And in January, we cleared $80,000. And it was the, like, we went from 36,000 to over 80 overnight. And all of a sudden, everybody who was worried was like, what happened? And then the next thing that they started asking was, do you think you can do that again? I was like, yeah, probably a few more times. And then I'm just going to jump in a lake. Right. And that's when we had to start getting serious about the business. Like that was not sustainable. Obviously not. We didn't do 80 again the next month. But, but I knew that when I had to, I could go down and do that. And I still have that. Like, I'm not proud when I put in long hours. Like the other day on, on Tuesday, I got to the office at about 8.15 and I got home at about 9.45. I'm not proud of that. That doesn't, that's not like, oh yeah, you got to grind. No, I was inefficiently doing my work for a while and I was stressed because the business was down and the costs were up. And I was like, I'm going to do everything I can short of grabbing the company and putting it on my back. That was irresponsible. But at least I know I have it in me. Like it's a, that's that chip on the shoulder that I don't want to lose. So to, to help people understand like, well, what do you do next? The next thing I had to do was look to people on our staff who could take a bigger role. And I remember asking our coach on staff who had the most clients like, Hey, cause we had coaches at that point, all people we thought would be part-time. Hey, if I got you, you know, what do you want your future to look like? And he didn't describe his future in any way that I thought I could create. So I was like, all right, well, this sucks, but I got to let you go. And I just absorbed all of his clients. And now I had 86 one-on-one clients on top of everything else that I was doing. So I quickly recognized I needed to build a team and I was fortunate Ray Gorman, who is now our VP of R&D, was on the team and he was like, hey, I'm ready to step up, whatever you need. And he did, he quit his job. A lesson to other people out there, he quit his job where all of his security was and dove all in because he thought that we had a chance here. And you just keep on replacing yourself with people who can do the things that you don't do well, very well until you're in a situation where your company has to make five times as much money for you to make the same amount of money that you were making before. <laughs> but, yeah. but ultimately you're setting yourself up for a much bigger opportunity. So again, like where are you guys right now? Like how many, you know, uh, was it uh, Nick Paraguni, Paraguini. Um, he was, yeah. he was my, my seminar leader. 
fantastic individual. Just, I learned so much from him. How many other seminar leaders do you have right now? What's the size, you know, what's the size of your company when it comes to like people who are working for active life? So we are in the process right now of some corporate restructuring, like I talked about. And, and what we're effectively doing is everybody actually, everybody, no matter how long they've been at the company, got a job offer yesterday. And the job, it was the first time they ever got an official job offer. And the job offer had on it their base, pal- their base salary and all of the rules and their job. <clears throat> and if I look at it now, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, right around 15 full-time staff who are paid consistently every month, the same amount of money, give or take a few bucks. And the rest of the people on staff currently, there's about another 18 people who are doing fractional work for us. And I'm looking for ways to give them the chance to do full-time work for us because I want, you ever seen the movie 300? That's the first, that was my introduction to CrossFit right there. Yeah. That was, so that was the gateway. Yes. Of course. You remember the scene when the Athenian is like 300 men, I brought 10,000 men. How are we going to fight those million? He's like, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a potter. He's like, you, what do you do? I'm a farmer. You, what do you do? I'm a blacksmith. It's like Spartans. What is your profession? They're like, house, house, house. It's like, it appears I brought more shoulders, than, uh, more soldiers than you. I want everybody on our team to pump their spear in the air for active life. And I don't want them to have to think about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, you're building a team of like-minded individuals. What sounds well, like-minded in the sense you guys have a common goal, but you, you still want the different perspectives and backgrounds that they're all bringing to the table, of course. Yeah. Well, um, we do, we do monthly in services where one of the team members educates the rest of the team on something that they're excellent in. Oh, cool. And so their education becomes the team's education. So going in that, you just brought up something else that I want to talk about with regard to the culture that I assume that you've had a massive part in developing with active life and those who uh, rely on it for their, their career, their salary. How do you give me, give me some insight as to like what the culture looks like if you work with active life, if you are an active life employee, like, and again, I I got you. Yeah. 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 We have, we have four core values and we absolutely hire and fire by them. And my belief is it's never about you and it's always your fault. So that permeates through everybody in our company. And that is a part of one of our four core tenants. We have four core tenants. The first one is, have an active mindset, which effectively means it's not about you. It's always your fault. There's probably a better way. You should seek to find it and be happy when you're wrong because it's an opportunity to improve. The second value is professionalism, which means you look the part, you sound the part. You're studying the appropriate materials. You treat yourself in a certain way. You look a certain way. You're striving for a certain thing. And you respect yourself in a way that maybe other people wouldn't respect themselves. And you demand that respect of other people. The third value is integrity, which means do the right thing because it's the right thing, no matter how it affects you. And that is a big part of why we still turn so many people away who reach out to work with us because we don't believe it's in high integrity to take them. It's, we, we don't think we can help them. So we send them somewhere else. We will never run ads that lead with fear because we don't think it's in high integrity to scare somebody into working with you. Because if you have to scare somebody into working with you, you have to keep them scared to keep them as a client. And we aim for want, not need. And then the fourth value is team first. And team first to us means the team, our team. We can't help our clients except through our team, the people on our team who deliver the service. 
So we're going to defend each other. We're going to support each other and we're going to call each other when we think they're making mistakes. The way that we believe a great team in any sport would perform. It's okay if you run the wrong route and the quarterback yells at you because you ran the wrong route so that you run the right route next time. We don't tell you it's okay, no big deal. No, you ran the wrong route and the other team scored because we threw the ball and you weren't where you were supposed to be. That hurts everybody on the team. Next time you need to run the right route. What is it that we need to do a better job of teaching you to make sure that you know what the right route is because we obviously didn't do the job. And our team knows that that's not condescending when we say that kind of thing. We mean it because we believe it's our fault. And the other part of that is the customer is not always right. But the customer's perception is always right. So it's our job to facilitate the customer perception being positive. Those are our four core values. And everything within our culture drives back to them. Mm-hmm. So you talked about, I mean, I love that you use the word culture and not the word community. Because in the fitness world, at least in the CrossFit world, one of the biggest words that gyms will use about describing their value is we have great community. Yeah. I believe that culture drives community and that if you don't actively drive culture to a code of ethics then you allow community to evolve however it wants and that's how you end up with clicks and i'll give an example of how you drive culture in a gym that avoids clicks from happening one of the gyms who we work with recently raised their prices by about um, $240 a month. So they went from 100, 160 bucks a month to $399 a month per member. Obviously, that wasn't a decision that they made lightly. And they didn't go from, we're offering class for 160 to we're offering class for, three, for 400. You know, they, they increased the value of the service. They got the whole team, the staff, to buy in on it. <clears throat> and there was a member who was in the lobby complaining to another member about the price increase. One of the coaches walked up to the member, not the owner, not even a full-time coach, walked up to the member and said, I appreciate everything that you are complaining about. And we would be happy to speak with you about everything that you're upset about right now and help make things better or find you a better place to be but this is not a conversation that can happen in our lobby. You need to take that conversation home, not have it here because here everything is constructive. When you have a coach, when you have a team of coaches who believe that way and who will stomp that out, you have a culture. People won't speak that way. And people who feel like they should speak that way won't come to your gym. And for a lot of gym owners, they're like, well, I want everyone to be able to come to my gym. But you don't want people to come to your gym who make it more difficult for other people to come to your gym, who you want to come to your gym. Mm -hmm. I like the analogy of a stream as compared to a rapid. Most gyms who have great communities, that they would say they have great communities, I think that they function like a stream. What I mean by that is, Nobody was ever a little bit intimidated to get into a stream. I'm not talking about like they're intimidated by the weightlifting. People are intimidated by that, but I'm talking about the people there. They're not intimidated to join that community. They walk halfway in, they stand in the water. They're like, yeah, it's a little bit cold. It's not really my style. I'm going to be out, you know, no big deal. We want you to build a culture that is represented by a class five rapid. Before anybody jumps into that culture, they're going to start thinking about, is this a culture I want to be a part of? Do I want to be able to live with that kind of discipline? Do I want somebody holding me accountable? Do I want to be a part of a process? Do I want to be held to a higher standard? You know, it's, do I have a life vest on? Dude, did I bring my helmet? Is there a raft? Will there be a guide? And once they decide they're getting in, 
They're mm-hmm. downriver before they know what even happened. And there's no way out. Mm-hmm. And they don't even want to get out. It's so much fun. Right. It's scary the whole time. And it's fun. Yeah. yeah That's streams culture. Aren't, streams aren't all that fun. There's no... Uh, you don't you don't get the same uh, experience in a stream as you you would in a in a rapid. There's no right. question Stream, about that. Streams can be fun. I had a great time paying a guy five bucks to go lay down in a thirty five degree stream that was five inches deep for thirty seconds. A, b- a bunch of people chipped in five bucks. He's like, "I'll do it in my underwear." That was a great time. Yeah, right. But it's not a culture. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, how it, can you give me? one example of how you are fortifying the culture that you just described uh, in, in a week, in a day. Yep. Nobody on our team has ever made a mistake and been shamed for it publicly in front of the rest of the team or shamed for it at all. Mm-hmm. Everybody on our team who has made a mistake is discussed with one-on-one from the lens of how can we better help you to avoid making this mistake in the future. Yeah, right. Because we've, we have failed you. What is it about this that you need more training on? What is it about this that you need more autonomy on? What resources are you lacking that we're asking you to perform without? That's how we address all conversations when somebody struggles. When somebody does well, though, we celebrate it like they just, you know, signed CrossFit up as a client everybody it doesn't we we have a slack channel for wins small personal wins client wins doesn't matter share them we want to celebrate you when something in your life goes well so that you have a place to come where you know people want you to be successful Mm -hmm. every monday morning i send out an email that my ambition is to galvanize the team where we celebrate what somebody on the team has done well, even if what they did well was a mundane thing like their job. This person has been doing their job consistently for the last four years and I want to celebrate them today. Thank you so much for being an example of what we want an active life coach to be. Mm -hmm. And to leapfrog me, our staff is so bought into that, that because they know, despite the fact that we put people in leadership positions, people on the team still look to me as the leader of the team. I will get people on the team who will message me to make sure to celebrate a win for somebody else that week because they believe that that person deserves to be celebrated. And that person doesn't want to tell me about it because they don't want to seem as though they're seeking to be celebrated. Mm -hmm. So it's all about, we believe that you need to work on yourself five times as much as you need to work on your business if you want your business to be successful. And we always make room for our staff to do that. <clears throat> so I, I love it. There's so much good stuff here. I, again, I, I want to, I want to bring it back to like, just saying thanks so much for, for taking the time. What's up, Jay? There's just a ton. And I think if the listeners take anything from this, it's also how easily Sean knows all of this. You know, it's not like he's thinking about it. It's clear you know, what you just said is you have to improve yourself and you improving yourself came up with all of these things, your values, et cetera, and they're ingrained in you. Yeah. Where so many entrepreneurs put the cart before the horse, as yeah. you did, as you did as well. Totally, totally, and, and, still, as, and still do. I mean, yeah, at times but, I still do. But that's what's impressing me the most. It's just, you live it and, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's really admirable. Thank yeah. you. Well, I, w- I want to give a lot of credit to um, our team for stepping up and being trustworthy with their roles. And to another thing that we do that I think is really valuable that I think everybody should do, whether with us or with somebody else, doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. Do it with us. Um, we have coaches who coach us. So I have two coaches right now. Ken Andruko of Level 5 Mentors is my mentor who I meet with weekly at least at least once a week and when i'm feeling stressed about something i know okay i'm going to bring this up to ken this week and he's going to help me with it and i can have peace with this right now just going to give him a heads up that we're going to talk about it and he also coaches 
everybody on our leadership team. And we pay for him to coach everybody on our leadership team because I think it's important that they're not only getting coached by me because I don't have all the answers. We also work with Lacey Nelson. I think her company is uh, Nelson Consulting. I don't know what her company is called. I should probably know. But Lacey Nelson, she used to run the Iron and Mortar Summit. Phenomenal coach who helps me with leadership, who I hired for myself. The first thing that she did was interviewed our entire team about me to give me a review of how I can better serve the team, what, what I'm really good at that I don't necessarily know I'm really good at and what I need to improve upon that I didn't know I needed to improve upon and how. And in her working with me, I thought it was so valuable that I also hired her to work with all of our team members. And so they learn how to be leaders for the people who report to them. Mm -hmm. I just think it's so important that anybody who wants to have a successful culture, especially if you're in the business of coaching, is prepared to hire coaching yourself. Because otherwise, what are you telling your team? Yeah. We don't need coaching, but our clients do. <clears throat> These coaching sessions, how do they, what, what do they look like? Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, and is it, I assume, I, aside, I assume they're more than just like a, psychological evaluation of how the week went or like, what, what is it? Like, what are they, are they just a series of questions that are asked? And so we'll, we'll, we'll separate them into two. So Ken, the yeah. calls I do with Ken are, what are we working on? How is it moving? Mm-hmm. What is the next opportunity? Okay. He's never told me that that's what he's doing, but that's how it feels. Yeah. Right. So Ken, Ken is the one who was like, Hey, you got a really cool thing going. You need to make it a company. Right now you have a bunch of products and people who service them and all of your costs go up in sequence, you know, like in a linear fashion with your income because of the way you pay people, it doesn't work. You need to shoot the lock off your wallet, give people salaries and, and give yourself the opportunity to grow beyond what you possibly can right now. And then he helped me build out each position. We had a, I had a 16 hour strategy session with him over two days. And then our team had another 16 hour strategy session with him about their team's roles. So my calls with him are standing calls every week on Mondays. And then when we need them, a second call and a third call to discuss problems that I'm running into and how to solve them. Okay. He has those same calls with everybody in our leadership team. Okay. Lacey is the one who effectively knows what I'm doing with Ken because I'll tell her. And when I struggle to do it in a way that everybody else understands I'm doing this for the team helps me understand where I'm missing on my communication. So I'll give you an example of that and how to better communicate it. I used to tell the team, we're moving towards like, you know, we're going to have our biggest month ever this year. And I'm so proud of all of you for helping us get there. Thank you so much. She would tell me, it's great to tell them that they're a part of the company's growth. What would be valuable to add is how the company's growth is valuable to them besides just being on a team that's growing. Mm -hmm. And so then it was like, well, how do I do that? I thought I was doing that. That was the whole point. You know, I haven't taken a pay raise since that January, 2018 month. Don't they recognize they're getting paid more? They're getting more autonomy. They're getting more coaching. They're getting more stability. They're getting more inspiration, all that. She's like, no, you need to tell them. And here's how Ray needs to hear it. And here's how Nick needs to hear it. And here's how Larry needs to hear it. And here's how Pam needs to hear it. And here's how Vanessa needs to hear it. And here's how Ryan needs to hear it. And here's how they need to see it. I'm like, damn, it's a lot of work for me. (laughs) She's like, yeah, that's why you're the leader. You have to do it. With great power comes great responsibility, right? Yeah, I'm waiting for the great power part. I have great responsibility. (laughs) So just in the interest of time, I feel like we could obviously talk for... Just for you, for, for you to know, if you want to end at this point, we can. I don't have something scheduled. I actually have a call with Ryan. Um, he just called me. I, 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 knew. Told him I, was, I told him I was talking to you. And he said, <laughs> priorities. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that, yeah. I, and I, also, too, I, want, I just want to make sure that we, uh, I don't know. I want to provide value for the listeners. Uh, I want to make sure that they, um, they get what, what they're looking for as well here. I, Let's wrap it up. 
not rep, not because I want to, because I feel like, um, I, I, I don't know. I, it's I okay. Like, you don't need the words, Carl. Just draw a picture of it. Yeah, we, we just, <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it's like Costanza says, you got to go out on top. We just nailed it. Great episode. Sean crushed it. Great questions. Yeah. So, you know, leave the listeners wanting more and I'm sure we'll have Dr. Sean back on in the future. Yeah. This, well, I, this is the one final question that, I, that I've got. This is what I want to hear. This is the main lesson that I've learned. Like people talk about whiteboard daily. And I, I learned this once I hit a hundred thousand followers and then I revisited once I hit 200,000 followers. I say, I, it's a team effort. It's not just me, obviously Jason and Nate have been massive parts of, of that growth. Um, I always, it goes back to the three S's for me. And these are three S's. This is what I've kind of come up with. The three S's is start small, stay true and stick with it. And to me, when I follow that code, it, it kind of like leads me to success in, in different forms, but it always seems to, to be tangible for people to understand. Okay. Like I just started whiteboard daily, which is a whiteboard and just some ideas. I stayed true because I always I I kept it to coaching education, coaching stuff that that coaches would find valuable, and I stuck with it. I when I first started off, if I got if I posted something with five likes, I wouldn't get deterred. I would be like, you know what? Hey, just next week, I, I named it Whiteboard Daily because every single day I was going to come out with something new. I'm I'm in this for the long haul. I, it's it's not just like I can't go based on the response or likes or whatever stick with it. Those three S's for me have been extremely valuable to hold on to for young entrepreneurs out there. So young coaches might not be young coaches, but just like coaches who, who might want to go off and, and do their own thing, start something brand new. What is some piece of advice that you can give them that's similar to that in the sense of three S's or just your perspective on things? What, what's one piece of advice you can give those people? Think big and act small. And what I mean by that is people get stuck doing the maintenance work in their business. Even if you're a coach, your business is coaching. They get stuck doing the maintenance work in their business for too long because they're thinking small and acting small or thinking small and acting big. And what you need to do is recognize the moment that you start reaching diminishing returns in one area. So let's say that you're a coach and you believe that you're a great coach and you can prove it because your classes are attended at 10% more people, 20% more people than every other class on the schedule consistently. Members stay after they talk to you. The community in your class is better than every other class. They're more, they're more tight knit. And you don't get to say that if you're the five thirty or the 6am coach, cause that's just the same in every gym. So get over yourself. But if that's you, and you're not making enough money in your career and you're not having enough impact in your career, understand that the next thing that you need to do is not to become a better coach. It's to become better in the area where you most need to become better. And that's probably going to be sales because your coaching is doing the marketing. Your sales is what's going to make you the money. Then once you're able to sell well, the next thing is going to be, okay, well, everyone I talk to wants to buy, So the next question becomes, okay, well, raise your prices, make sure your sales are appropriate. And then people will start saying, no, now you need marketing. Get more people to come and talk to you. Then it's back to the beginning. I need to be a better coach to reach a different audience of people who I can no longer, I can't stay in this pool anymore. And you keep cycling through those three until you get to the point that you need to start hiring people to help you. And then your skill set starts to leverage into leadership organization, all that kind of stuff. Cool. Hey, that's what I'm looking for. Jason, what do you think, man? Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, Hey, Dr. Sean, I just want to say thank you personally. You've been just uh, a big influence for me um, throughout, uh, ever since I I learned of active life, ever since I learned who you were, you've left a strong impression on my life and I really just want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day. I know you've got multiple things that you're doing throughout the week and for you to carve out just an hour to sit down and speak with us, it really means a lot to me. I hope you understand that. Um, 
So thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm inspired by the work that you put out and for us to be able to have any impact on the stuff that you're putting on a whiteboard. That's super cool to me. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the potential of us working together in the future. That'd be uh, just a, uh, an awesome opportunity. I'm looking forward to that. Um, so I'll just, uh, I'll wrap it up here, Jason, if you don't mind. Go for it. <laughs> guys, uh, just like we do every single week, I just want to thank you guys so much for listening. It really means a lot to me um, that you can sit down and kind of dive in deeper to some of the aspects of coaching that are of interest to you. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. Uh, come back next week for another awesome episode. I know that we'll bring some more good stuff. It's hard to top what we just talked about with Dr. Sean. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Sean, for sitting down with us. Uh, guys, I'm going to leave it just as I always do. Remember, a high tide lifts all boats. So together, let's keep on rising those tides. Jason, Dr. Sean, thank you guys so much for sitting down with me. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Whiteboard Weekly. On behalf of Carl and myself, Jason Ackerman, we really appreciate the download. We really appreciate you sharing our episodes with friends, families, your box owner, your buddies at the gym, anyone that's willing to listen to us talk about all things CrossFit, all things coaching, and all things coaches development. We do this because we have an absolute love and passion for it. And we hope that you can tell that through our talking and through each episode. If you haven't already, please feel free to leave us a review on any podcast platform. It goes a long way in helping us spread the word. Once again, thanks again for listening.